We are talking about a comic book, which we all read. If you did not also read this comic book, be aware we may talk about the events that happen inside of it. If this is going to make you sad, you should read the comic book first. That's like playing pretend with five-year-olds. Oh, that Spider-Man, he was just a clone. Did I just have a stroke? Welcome to the Trade Secrets Podcast. I have tough skin, apparently. I did not know I had this power. Comic book talk by comic book geeks just like you. What we did not know was that Nikolai Tesla was the original designer of the Fleshlight. Make it, make it, do it, makes us... Oh, nope. That's terrible. That's a terrible free kick. Welcome, everybody, to episode 70 of the Trade Secrets Podcast. We are here uh, today watching watching a World Cup game while we record the first uh, eight minutes of the show. I'm being uh, forced to watch a World Cup game. So if there's a spontaneous goal... Yeah, I understand. Uh, right now, it's Argentina versus Iran, which has been just kind of pathetic on the offensive end. So, anyway, yeah, we like. There's a few of us here that are ooh, few of us here that are um, that are soccer. <laughs> you got, that was you a got, three quarters. You got three. You got three. Three interruptions, <laughs> and then I turned the game off. Three quarters of the crew are are uh, soccer fans, at least for the World Cup. So, uh, I am one quarter of the crew gives absolute no fucks. Uh, Today we are going to be talking about our long read of Bone. We read the entire run of Bone front to back. Uh, I have not introduced anybody yet. I'm Luke, and and I'm here with most of the crew today. Anne is here. Oh, hi. Joel is here. Sup? Andy's here. Yo. Uh, I... So normally we have this, like, you know, what are you reading thing, and I'm not reading anything currently. Uh, I got nothing. I'm... So fucking but out right now. there are a couple of uh, newsy type things that I kind of wanted to talk about. Like one of them really isn't new. One of the one newsy one is that Rosario Dawson got cast in the Daredevil, Daredevil. TV show. Um, we don't know as what yet, but somebody somebody made the suggestion on Twitter: "Sexy Foggy Nelson." Okay, was, <laughs> no, no, no. Wait. Okay, so I saw that. Hey. But um, who is uh, the the Heroes for Hire? The two girls. Daredevil, Iron Fist, Heroes for Hire, um, like that group is sort of the same. They're all the New York yep. D-list superheroes, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Um, I only Jessica know my Jones. New York Not, oh, D-list. Jessica suit. Jones and the the two girls, the uh, the one with the robot arm and... I know who you're talking about, but I don't know who you're talking about. I know like, D-list superheroes I've, that come up and shoot Hulk, but pass that. Because like the Heroes really. for Hire and Defenders section of the Marvel... I've got I've Defenders and Invaders are fucking rad. It's like the two worst combinations of teams that like you've got uh Heroes for Hire, Defenders, Invaders, right? Heroes for Hire is like, okay, we're gonna get some pretty much yeah, they have superpowers, but not really. Like one of them has a, a metal arm and that's their power. Luke Cage, he's bulletproof. Which came yep. in to be problematic when he had a heart attack and they couldn't figure out exactly yeah. how to perform surgery on him. But yeah, I mean Rosario Dawson's. I I like Rosario Dawson. She's a great actress. So um, I don't know what they'll cast her as, but who knows? We'll see. Uh, I'm really looking forward to those shows. Uh, I I'd I like to see something better than the Ben Affleck Daredevil. I'd, that's I'd for like damn to sure. see sexy Foggy Nelson. That's <laughs> just me. <laughs> the other thing that I kind of wanted to talk about, and this is this is me gonna. Um, it's it's been interesting the last week or so because the July solicits for Marvel came out. Uh, last week and 
one of the things that people have noted on it is that there are quite a few comic books that have now bumped up to the five dollar uh, cover oh. price. Yep. Um, now they are they're so here's the thing uh, when you look at the solicits uh, the the normal length comic books are listed as thirty two pages. And that's 10 pages, 10, eight to 10 pages right. of ads. So you're getting 22, 24 story pages in a 32 page comic. So the ones that are listed at $5 are, are either being listed at 40 or 48 pages. Um, uh, quite a few okay. of them at 40 pages, um, which means that of the extra eight pages, at least three of them are going to be ads. So <laughs> you're looking at 27 ish, 27, 28 pages of story for $5. I don't know if that's worth a full extra that's dollar. That's not worth nope. a full extra dollar. That's not actually that much more story. So John Lehman on Twitter brought up the, the, the point that a $5, if, if comics increase and even, even if you're looking at, uh, you know, 48, quote unquote 48 pages which you know figure a third of that's going to be ads yeah. roughly um five dollars is not a is not a price that allows new readers to experiment with new comics right it feels like more of a commitment versus you're like right. three four bucks okay and and see i'm i'm even on the other end of that where like three to four dollars is to me Especially now that the vast majority of what I read is in that four dollar range, yeah, I I can't experiment with stuff anymore. I don't um, have the money to be able to just be like, oh, I'm going to dump four dollars on a twenty two page comic and and pray. Well, right? I think that uh, folks like Image are really smart, having a whole bunch of one for one dollar, like the first issue of a series, sure, intended for people to try it out. Yeah, I mean that is smart, uh, but it usually for me takes two, three, four issues of a comic to really find out if it's going to be something that I want to read. Right? That's fair. I mean, I can usually figure out if I want to pick up issue two from issue one, yeah. but occasionally I've picked up issue two and then been like, no. Yeah. I mean, no. Andy's on the opposite end of the spectrum, but I just buy what I want to read. Well, and that's the thing is like, that's one of the, one of the reasons I wanted to bring you up as an example is that I feel like, um, you really have to commit to comics now to be like to be able to read a lot yeah, like as far as you know when everything's costing $4 an issue it's it's a good chunk of my discretionary income yeah mm. and like I, I understand that not everyone would have quite the same level of discretionary income as i have but i also you know don't own a car don't have college like money right. that I have to pay off or anything like that. I'm a good job. Work like a crazy I, person. I, I do work quite a bit. <laughs> also, uh, Misty Knight and Colleen Wing, who is I was thinking of, Daughters of the Dragon. Okay, um, I have no idea who those okay. characters are. I've heard of Misty Knight. They're they're just like two random girls that work with Luke Cage every once in a while. I haven't read anything but Bone for the last two weeks. Like so, I haven't read. Oh, oh, oh. sorry, that's, that's the, two. Oh, no, that's but that's two. A, that's I a worthy. Got to shout the thing. That is a worthy interruption because Messi just scored a goal in extra time against Iran. So, um, no. Okay, I am so sorry, listeners. I bet there's at least some of our listeners out there that are are soccer fans as well. Or and there's World others Cup. that are going like Andy. Yeah, You're speaking my language. It. Yeah, I, I I do have to take the blame for this because I actually showed up early today and I was like, well, at least I can watch the World Cup. I wasn't well, going to mention it, but yeah, yeah. you know, oh. it's a little bit before nine, and Joel's like, I'm here. I'm like, what? He like, what, what time are we starting? I'm like, ten. 
That was a beautiful goal, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're fucking killing me. Um, okay, so back, I, on, so back on the top. I, I just want to say, fuck Rob Liefeld. How does that... <laughs> how, let not me, hear me out. Does, hear me wait out. a minute. How does that exa- relate to the pricing issue that we were talking because, about? Because when I started oh, reading image. comic books back in the late 80s, thank you, they were 50 cents. And then, or twenty five, and then they went to fifty, and then somewhere seventy. Late eighties was seventy five. Yeah, mid eighties was yeah. Seventy five was when I started reading. Yeah, yeah. Uh, movies then, were also five bucks. Uh, yes, yes, they were, but they weren't comic books. And then all of a sudden, Liefeld came out with Image, and was like we're going to charge a dollar twenty five. Liefeld Liefeld was one of six people who were the founders of that and he was not the impetus for image he wasn't i, I thought it McFarlane was mcfarlane was way bit mcfarlane and jim valentino were way bigger influences on image than liefeld was i mean yes okay. fuck rob liefeld but for different <laughs> reasons can can i just keep the hate on liefeld absolutely i i i hold an i will hold and an McFarlane eternal too that guy's a douche yeah i will hold an eternal grudge against and liefeld so ever so since that really happened it just opened the floodgates uh First, crashed the whole comic book scene until it finally came back, and now that it's finally coming back. Yeah, the nineties were dollars an issue. Yeah, I, I've Ugh. gotten to. So it's weird for me because this is kind of the this weird confluence of things. Like I, I don't have any money, so I'm already um, like I went to my comic shop and and dumped probably at least a third of what I'm reading, and I'm gonna lose another five or six books that I'm reading because they're they're miniseries. Oh, yeah. Um, so I'm literally by... Within the next two months, I'm going to be down to maybe seven or eight books that I'm actually subscribing to. And that's <laughs> the lowest that I've been to in... Since we started the show. A long, yeah, easily. Yeah. Embarrassingly, um, I'm now up to seven or eight books, which is the most I've ever subscribed <laughs> to. But yeah. Oh, my it. God. It's amazing because if you get, if you add all of your you know totals together, it's like... Well, it's that's not even cute. come close to no, you. Yeah, yeah. No. Close. Well, and that's... For me, It it's really it's really hard for me because I am I am... I'm a huge comics fan. I love reading comic books. I love buying comic books, but and I love going to my comic book shop and I love all the community surrounding it, but it's it's literally getting to the point where it's pricing me out. You know, and, and I, I mean, know. so here's here's the thing, movies, right? They've gotten vastly more expensive to watch in theaters, and a lot of people are doing Redbox and they're doing Netflix, and I feel like comics may go a similar route if the individual like in the moment issue prices get too expensive there'll be more people that are just buying trades or there'll be people i mean there's a ton of people who only buy trades anyway because they can't be bothered to keep up with series right um and i found that i i found that i actually like cons- like you know aside setting aside the price issue i've found that i just like consuming comics in a trade in trade form better than single issues now i do like, i always did I, I i like sitting down with a six to twelve issue trade and just sitting and reading for a while and and it's funny because i've definitely like since since the inception of trade secrets i flip flop to be the person who like has a pull box and doesn't only buy issues mm-hmm. and Andy's wants like, to go Whoa. back and i'm regressing I was the funny yeah, thing yeah. is like i'm going the opposite way and it's it's what's what's weird is that it's not that i I still intend to keep up on a lot of comics. Yeah. Um, what do you think? Do you propose any kind of a solution? I wish I could. I don't know if there is a solution because there's because comic books, even even with the Marvel movies, the number of people who have watched the Avengers 
and then thought, hmm, I'm going to run to my comic shop and buy a comic right, is no. super tiny. And that's that I think is... It's such a fascinating industry to me too because it's like, of all the genres, there are specific stores that are only for comics. Right. And like, it's only been in the last 25 years probably. I mean, I actually can't speak because I'm only 29. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> But I feel like... I didn't see the types of comic sections in large chain bookstores that when I was a kid that I do now. So oh, I, it's I, like, I, yeah, absolutely. It, it's a weird industry because it's like starting to collide with the mainstream publishing industry, but like there's still this like funky divide. Like if you set yeah. up a bookstore the way you set up a comic shop, that would be nuts and vice versa. But on the flip side of that, I remember when I first bought, started buying comic books, I bought them at the local gas station. Yep. And I bought them at a mm-hmm. grocery store. Yeah. Yeah. That's where they were sold. And I got them from the library. See, yeah. and that, and those things don't. Those, that's one of the weird things that has regressed about the comic Dad book industry. Me is, from prison. <laughs> that's one of the weird things that has regressed about the comic industry. In in my opinion, is that yeah, comic shops are bigger and better and cooler, and there's a lot more people going to them, and the the people that run them are generally more don't personable. Hit on you when you're yeah. with your mom and sixteen years old. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Whoa, um, whoa, whoa. Let's not but, make generalizations here. No, but, that's not a generalization. That's a specific instance. But yeah. anyway, but like individual, you don't just you just don't see as much of a penetration of individual issues in like magazine it's racks true. at stores anymore, it's right? True. Like it used to be that I would go into a grocery store and there was a spinner rack and like a whole like section of the magazine section that was just all comic books. And there would mm-hmm. sometimes even in the grocery store there would sometimes be two or three or four months worth of of back issues just like you know. I kind of what a think about what types of single issue comic books like Whole Foods would stock. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's I don't know. amazing. I feel like they would only have graphic novels. They would be like, no, 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 Persepolis or Bus. <laughs> <laughs> we only carry the finest Alan Moore here. Four copies oh, of no, no. four copies of Mouse and then like <laughs> Yeah, no, that's the <laughs> Ghost World, Mouse, Persepolis and nothing else. Uh, Strangers of Paradise. They could put in like yeah, they could put in Strangers of Paradise. They could put in like uh David B stuff, right? Like it's French. That's exciting. I don't know. I mean, I I don't <laughs> the Mobius section. It's just yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't... Why, why do you have seventy three different copies of Arizark by Mobius? <laughs> Dude, this is Whole Foods. What do you expect? <laughs> I don't know if there's like I'm not. I don't. There is no solution for me to propose because I'm not. Pro- I'm not saying that there is a problem. Mm. I'm just saying that it's not like it's. It doesn't have the the penet- the the actual physical buying and reading and collecting of the comic books themselves does not have the same penetration into mainstream society as something like the movies do and i don't know if that would i don't know if it would be better i don't know if it would be better or worse if it did now right now here's one thing i can think of that would make it better is that with the increase of the the price and it being five dollars an issue and whatnot that will become the norm and it also will become more viable for independents to come out and use their comic books. So instead of selling your comic book for a dollar or a little bit less, now you're going to be making a little bit more money if you're able to self-publish a comic book yourself. I sell my comics for $5 now. Yeah. <laughs> and that... Also... Trendsetter. I got... 
art back from artists, and it's neat, and I'm excited. <laughs> ah. I thought you were going to say they were available in Whole Foods. <laughs> oh, man. No, no, no. I ha- so I'm working with the, the, an artist named Ted Closen um, to do a retelling of one of the tales from Arabian Nights, except I said it in Portland with food trucks. <laughs> Whole Foods okay. would stop okay. the shit out of that. Okay. I, I mean, where I was going, and I got sidetracked, super sidetracked, was that this, this isn't it's a personal issue for me that I love I love the comics industry. I love being a part of it. I love being part of that nerd niche. But I'm but the prices of individual issues are driving me away from that part of the comic industry. They're driving me away from my comic shop. And that bothers me because it's not my comic shop's fault that comics are too expensive for me to buy, right? It's a, it's that's one of the that's one of the fundamental flaws of of the comic retail industry to me that is causing me to just like be so aggravated because I'm such a huge comics fan and I love my comic shop and it's so frustrating when I look at it from a financial perspective that I'm like, I I have to sit here and make this financial decision and be like, I just can't, I don't know if I can do this. I mean, coming from the background of being generally broke, uh, I think there is a lot of good, comic book culture in comic shops but Mm -hmm. there's also a lot of good comic book culture from people who lend people comic books yeah hi (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i don't think i mean i see this large insoluble issue that is is there uh that you have described and at the same time i'm like you know people will always find a way people will always lend each other stuff Um, yeah the i think that the industry will have enough it won't die because people oh, no, can't no, no, afford no. it. Yeah, this is I don't think this is a discussion at all about the comic books industry dying. No, no. not at all. I, and that's I never want to I'm never going to be the guy that is that is going to say that because people have been saying the comic book industry is dead since the comic book industry started. Pretty and much. that's and that I mean I even posted a link to my Facebook page the other day about um the it was it was an article historical that, tweets about the comic book industry. No, it was an, it was it wasn't comic book specifically, <laughs> but it was It was an it was Entitled "The Thirty Times in History That the Novel Has Been Declared Dead," uh-huh. oh, yeah, right? And so it was like everything from 1902 to present, and it was like famous people and art people, uh, journalists being like, "The novel is dead," you know, every about every two that, years. That was the first one. <laughs> the, like the most recent one is like a Twitter hashtag. It's like "K <laughs> thanks by novel." Yeah, <laughs> right. I mean. But- so, yeah, I'm. I would never declare that this is going to kill the industry or some bullshit like that. I'm just saying that it's it's changing my comic book paradigm quite a bit. Like it's changing how I consume comics. So books. one thing that um, sort of I'm on the complete opposite spectrum than you guys. Like mm-hmm. I don't get a discount at my shop. I don't want a discount at my shop. I want my shop to stay open because it's not the comics. That's not the service that my shop provides. It's the knowledge that I have for people. That a know what I like and b get to fucking read everything. Are you sure you don't get a discount? I'm because I'm pretty sure I'm that Xanadu offers a discount. I don't want it. Uh, what I, I, mean, I want them to stay in business flat out. Yeah. Um, and like t- my time is more precious than any like amount of money that the discount could save me. Sure. Um, I don't have time to read you know that much. Like I get to binge once every six weeks or so on you know a huge stack of comics and I devour them in like two hours but like there's awesome stuff out there that i'm not going to know about unless someone tells me and like the biggest benefit for me is that you know i go to my store and 
uh, Aaron might be. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I put this in your box. I think you'll really like it. You know how many times they've been wrong? Zero. I zero nice. times. That's exactly what I'm saying though. Is that I 100 percent oh, yeah. agree. Like, but like I, I just I, you know yeah. It's like one of those things where it's like the service that the comic book retail industry provides me has nothing to do with me physically getting the comics. It's with me getting the information that I yeah. need, mm. and that that's worth so and much more to me than any sort of. I wish I and I wish I could agree because I've I agree like that I love that part of the industry but financially it's like just, no I, I get it but, you know <laughs> it's one, a problem <laughs> one nice thing that I get to do though is that like you know I get to tell you guys I'm like guys this book you know that's look I know you haven't read it before but it's called you know Glenn and Harry and <laughs> it's amazing it's Glenn dancing and Glenn and Henry, and Henry. And yeah. yeah and like just just and read it it's you're gonna love it oh man I got issue four and on the back there's a little mini comic that has Gary Newman and Mark Mothersbaugh <laughs> 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 where Gary Newman has apparently like spent all of their money on a car and he's like sitting in his car being like I'm safe in here and Mark Mothersbaugh is whipping at the door <laughs> <laughs> Bone started in 1991. It ended in 2004. Um, well, the the core Bone story yeah. ended in 2004. It was by Jeff Smith, written and drawn. Um, and it is it's very very long. I mean the 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 one volume editions that are out. There's a hardcover one and there's a soft cover one, and you could uh, you could club somebody with them. Like <laughs> they're gigantic. Do we want to talk about the proto stuff, like from college? Brained. Or not? I don't think so. I, I mean, you can talk about it if okay. you know about yeah, it. Yeah, I don't know about it. Right. Sure. Um, so Jeff Smith, when he was in college, did uh, a comic that, that there's like a thousand printings or something like that. Um, it was it was phony, phone, and Rose. Okay, and it sort of fits in with Bone. Hmm. Um, and I believe it followed Rose. I've never actually yeah. read it, but that was his sort of thing that he did in college. And then he got out of college and was like, well, I can take these characters and make an actual story out of them. He and talks about that a little bit. In the, so the, the one that I read, I've got both of the full, the, the one volume editions and the, the, the 20th anniversary full color edition is amazing, is fantastic. And it has a, um, it has a little thing in the back that's got like a timeline of Jeff Smith and bone nice. and, um, uh, it's got a, a thing that he wrote for the 20th anniversary where he talks about how that story that he made in college was something that he was, he basically used that to shop around to comic uh, companies because oh, he wanted to, smart. Yeah. he wanted to, he wanted to do comics and nobody would take it. Like nobody was interested at all because of the, the subject matter they thought was too cartoony. Um, do you like the hero's journey? Do you like Family Circus? I'm going to merge both <laughs> of these together. Yeah. It's not Family Circus. It's Pogo. Yeah. Oh, God. And yeah, s- it is. so um, he talked about how he shopped it around forever and nobody wanted it and nobody would pick it up. And th- this, you know, this is 1991, so this is leading into the image era of stuff, right? Like image was like 93, 94 when it started like taking off. But all of the image artists and writers were all working for the big two at the time and that, and pushing that aesthetic in the comic book industry. So bone was like way, way far away from what the comic book readers wanted at the time. Um, What do you mean? The the main character doesn't have bulging muscles and yeah. pouches everywhere. <laughs> this is not cable. It's and a, a bulging nose cover. Um, so 
what he ended up doing was he and he and his wife just started cartoon books and started doing it themselves and they were Damn. like in the leading kind of leading bleeding edge of of self-published you know comic I, books I at think the time bone and stray bullets are like two of the books that just sort of paved the way for everyone else I, I'm, so listeners at home you can't actually see this but i'm watching luke try and manipulate this <laughs> cover edition that he has seriously it's like a it's like a king james bible the thing is fucking gigantic king james and bible it's gorgeous is significantly smaller than that. <laughs> gorgeous and it's fantastic. It, yeah, I mean, we'll we'll talk about this uh, the the actual physical thing at the end. But so for those of you who are not familiar with Bone, and this is one of the things that that it took it took someone saying this to me before I would read it because when you look at the cover and um, the stylings of Bone, your very first thought is is uh, car- cartoon, not yeah. comic Sunday comics, like yeah. Sunday comic cartoon thing. Yeah. Um, and for the first like two story arcs, basically in the comic book, that's kind of how it comes across. There's, there is hints at the greater, more the overarching storyline in the background, but the whole thing is like these bone, these goofy looking bone characters with giant noses get caught in a valley, and there's a there's a crazy old woman and a cute girl, and they she's doing a cow badass race, old and, woman yeah, badass like, old woman who's. Race, literally <laughs> racing cows. When does the dragon show up? Not that she's riding the cows, but that she is running and the cows are also running. If the dragon shows up the first time very early, like very in, early in the on. first storyline, okay. but only for, but just in like a cameo, basically. Yeah. Um, and that's actually what like, it just wasn't interesting to me when the first time that I, really? like when I, it just, when I, the first time that I saw it and the, you know, when I was looking at it, I was just like, eh, maybe. And then it was, you know, here's a, another, you know, endorsement for comic shop owners. My comic, the guy that uh, manages my comic shop was like, no, you need to read this. And I'm like, really? I do. And he's like, you absolutely need to read this. So he, you know, he convinced me to buy the, the one volume edition that all you guys have, which is the black and white paperback. one. Yeah. Um, and I got, eight issues into that before I said, okay, I'm, I'm going to go buy the color. It clicked and I'm going to go, I'm going to go buy the color one. Right. Hmm. Um, the fascinating thing about this book to me is, is how it, how cartoony it starts and how not cartoony it ends. <laughs> like, so not necessarily in terms of art style, but in terms of like story style, right, yeah, the it story does start itself. approachable and lighthearted and shit gets very, very real. It's <laughs> like a, it starts out as like, it a starts wacky, out as a yeah. just weird story and develops into the hero's journey right with the same characters and you watch the characters sort of develop through that process yep mm. there is a there is a definitive at the end of the cow race when the the swarm of rat creatures come and then the, that's that's right around the first time that you get a really good glimpse at the hooded one who is the the greater evil in the comic book um there's this huge tone shift like because that first stuff it's like yeah there's some kind of pseudo sinister stuff going on in the background the two rat creatures that show up are like they're more like um they're more like the the thieves in home alone yeah right exactly (laughs) like they're funny but they really stupid stupid rat creatures yeah yeah um but then, then the first, you know, after the rat, after the cow race ends and shit starts going bad, it's like this, defi- like two. It only takes like two or three issues for the entire comics tone to just take a severe left turn. 
in a good way. Yeah, yeah. Like, I I'm feel like it's just entering thing, it's just into like... the world of the heroic story. Right. Mm. The heroic part of the story. Can, can I tell you my origin story with Bone, as you it were? Go right ahead. So, something that I'm pretty sure did not even come up uh, in episode one of Trade Secrets when we were all talking about our origin stories is at some point when I was a child at my grandmother's house, I imprinted like a baby duck on Pogo (laughs) uh, and have since, as you can see, show and tell, coveted her um, Pogo issues. And uh, I can see the influence of like Calvin Hobbes, which was another childhood favorite from Pogo. Like there's, uh, Pogo comes from the solid tradition of the funny animal comics. There's Walt Kelly um, came out, God, I have no idea. And you guys can't see this, but Anne is flipping through a book that is highly yellowed. Yeah, it's been uh, this well is used. a 1951 well taken edition. 1951 yeah. edition of Pogo. I'm surprised okay. it hasn't crumbled. Yeah, well, that's because I've been hanging on to it's it. It's funny because he he even mentions Pogo, like specifically in this Pogo, and uh, E.C. Seeger's Thimble Theater starring Popeye were yeah. huge influences for. for and book. that's one of the reasons why I was initially attracted to bone as i think that like baby duck imprinting thing i was like oh this the look of this i need to read this thing um and as someone who was in education for about 10 years i also wanted a good story comic that i could recommend to like people under 16 for example (laughs) and i wouldn't be like uh hey 12 year old how about some sandman or like why don't i hand you this alan moore Uh, no. Uh, no. So the idea of you recommending Sandman to anyone fills me with some bit of dread. Of However, it does. specifically the the idea of you recommending it to a twelve year old <laughs> is just it's like no, no. Look, no, nope, I, I, nope. I, even I understand there are certain books that you need to be at a certain level to get, and Sandman uh-huh. is not uh-huh. not you know. Hey Johnny, why don't you try Crossed? Oh God. Yeah. Uh, nope. Anyway, but the point is, I appreciate Bone for being a legit, really amazing YA, basically. Um, but yeah. it has that like that deep hero's journey that is hero's journey, really, journey really appealing. For young adults, pretty much. I mean, I wouldn't even say that. I would say this is this is the closest to the perfect definition of quote unquote all ages. Yeah, like damn near anybody. Like I, I would say probably under. 10 might be a little too young I would feel for weird about under 10 because there are some there's some violence in it toward the end that becomes legit um, creepiness legit creepiness but it, sacrifice 10 you know. 10 all the way up like I, yep. I I don't see this as being anything you know specifically YA and in fact um, uh, Jeff Smith's rails against it being called a kid's book or a, or a YA book mm-hmm. um, so, but yeah, like something I find interesting is that this is a, a to sort of back that up, this is a book that I could both give to my mother, who is sixty-four, or my nephew, who's eight. Yeah, yeah. Like he's he's also a very avid reader. So yeah. but I'm like, you know, yeah. If he was ten, like anyone who was ten, I would be happy. Be like, you want to read a comic book? Read this, Here it is. and it, it would be able to lift it up because it's was, like seventy pounds. <laughs> well, that's why you got to get the, like the little editions, like the yeah. individual. No, yeah. no, you, you, you either like, that or it's like weight training, child. Here you go. <laughs> this is your hero's journey. This Pick this book up so you can read it. <laughs> you must read it in order to escape. I'm not going to joke. I, I I finished reading this, and I'm still doing my alphabetical reads, and yeah. this this fell perfectly within those. Um, and then e. the book after this that I'm reading is is BPRD Plague of Frogs one, which is I think a six. 16 issue hardcover. Have you read Hellboy? 
Oh, yeah. Okay. I was like, because <laughs> that'd be so weird to read that out of order. You're yeah. like, what is going on? Felt that book is, it's a big hardcover. Yeah. Felt downright tiny yeah. after spending time with this, with this You're monster. Just like flipping it in the air, juggling it back yeah, and forth. Whatever. Like, whatever. The, the, what I was looking, was trying to look up because he was talking about the self publishing movement that he was a part of, which, inc- and he, he lists, um, Colleen Duran, Rick Veitch, Eddie yeah. Campbell, Steve Bissett, and Larry Martyr, and Dave Sim. And that's yep. the book I was trying Cerebus. to think of was Cerebus. Um, Cerebus is a book that I never, I likely never would have approached had I not read Bone. Um, it's, have you read it's, Cerebus? Uh, I've read bits and pieces of Cerebus. I've Jesus, never read the whole thing. The I've, church and state arc is just so fucking long. Yeah, I mean, but I've heard fantastic, good, fantastic it's, things about it, and I'm... It's real good. Yeah. It's... Real, real. I don't. I don't think I can think of anyone that I know who's actually finished the whole thing. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Um. But to to talk about the story in this, one of the most fascinating aspects of Bone to me is that, like the tone shift that I was talking about before, and how it feels so utterly natural. How you can be reading a story that has, you know, these wide, like, humongous stakes and implications for, you know, this very deep evil that they put in the book and some, you know, pretty pretty serious uh, stuff toward the end. And there can be these three doofy-looking, big-nosed, white, solidly cartoon characters mixed in with a group of of normal human-looking characters, and it feels totally fine. It's there's yep. there's nothing about it that makes you go. It there there is never a point where you where my brain went this this feels weird or it's like not you, quite they don't, right. They're it's, not out of place. They're different, yeah. but they're not out of place. And uh-huh. I think that's intentional. I mean, yeah, mm. yeah, absolutely. No, absolutely. It's. Go ahead. Uh, I was just like, <clears throat> so I was going to comment on this. If you look at the cover of the um, the trade, um, it is a gorgeous landscape, mm-hmm. and then you know it's like really well crafted. And then there's just this super simple character just sitting on a rock. Yep. And I don't know why it works. It just works. Uh-huh. I think it's well, it's because Jeff Smith is a friggin' amazing artist, but because his his sense of character design and line is really consistent, right. and all of the mythological creatures kind of have this like funky, instantly recognizable Jeff Smith yeah. thing going the on. The rat creatures are fantastic. The rat creatures, like, red dragon, I love the way the rat creatures move. Yeah. Holy crap, they're hilarious. I love the way they move, and I love the um, the the way their faces work for lack of a better oh, term yeah. where they're super like, expressive the vast majority of the time they are a block of fur with two big like reddish bulbous eyes and then every once in a while they will just like you know these giant cartoon mouths open up with big sharp teeth and, and mm-hmm. they're they're super expressive and that's a they're the expressiveness of the rat creatures really really takes a turn for the better when bartleby shows up oh my god okay like, bartleby is fucking fantastic here's the deal so there are there are some people that like they have a kryptonite i guess i don't even know it's like the people that like (laughs) we're watching a movie about dogs i'm going to get sentimental and weird and squishy like bartleby the rat creature is my kryptonite for weird (laughs) squishiness like i i had a pet tarantula in college that i named bartleby after bartleby the rat creature (laughs) i the first few issues where Bartleby shows up are are probably some of my favorite in this in this series, and it's it's all because of the little things like um, 
one of the one of the because I'm a dog person. I've owned dogs all my life, and when Bartleby shows up, and one of the things that Jeff Smith does that is so fantastic is every time, every time someone is being nice to Bartleby, especially Smiley, like talking to Bartleby. He just puts the little motion lines around Bartleby's tail, so you see the <laughs> with his little tail wagging, and I and it's the same thing. I'm just like, ah, oh, that's so goddamn cute, you know. Uh, and it's it's amazing how he took you know he took the design of the rat creatures, which are these relatively sinister things that for the most of the rest of the book, two very minor design changes with the ears and the tail, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden you've got like the cutest creature in that you could possibly have in the book. Um, which which leads me to there's a there's a couple of specific design things before we start talking about stories a couple of specific design things that I always wanted to talk about about this that caught me really off guard when I first when I started to actually notice them um, and the first one is that um, the, this is written as it was originally twenty four page uh, single, single issue issues. comic books but. If you really pay attention to it, for the vast majority of it, there's a couple of times where it kind of fails a little bit, but every single page could be read as a single comic, like a Sunday newspaper comic. Wow. Where you go, it's it's usually six panels. His basic his basic design is six panels, but then he you know he mixes it up with other things. But most of the time, if you read a single page of this, I could see it appearing as a web comic or a weekly um, comic where one page appeared and it could it you know it it has a beginning, middle, and end on every single page, and that fascinated me and it totally holy crap! I totally that just blew my mind. Yeah, I totally fixated on it for quite a, like most of the middle of the book where I'm like. Um, there, like I said, there's a few pages where it's a little weaker than others, but for the most part, you could easily publish this a page at a time, um, on like on the web, and ha- and it would be completely, it would completely work every single time, and that's absolutely fascinating to me, like just phenomenal Having flashbacks of Sintulo. Yeah. <laughs> Holy crap. you're flipping through the book now and you're like you're right yeah right so and and that's kind of neat like i think it's cool how he he put that sunday comic aesthetic into it you know and paid attention to that kind of stuff because i can't imagine it's not purposeful right like it has to be purposeful i think it has to do with how he you know originally wrote the story when he was in college as a comic Mm -hmm. you know for his paper yeah and that just carried over because that's the way that he'd always written and Mm -hmm. so that was the way he's gonna write yeah, well, I mean, it, part of it could be just that basic, like that's the way he writes. But I think uh, there has to be thought. Oh, I'm, like, yeah. Yeah, I'm not saying you, that. you don't. You can't do it the as def- definitively as he's done it without thinking through. I, first. I, I don't think it's an issue of lack of thought. I think that's an issue of the way he trained himself. And sure. even when those restraints were lifted, he still mentally was just like, okay, I need to plan this out as if you know. This is a a panel. This is a you know a panel. This is a panel. Well, and yeah. also all of his page turns are masterful. And yeah, that's something I have increasingly angsted out about after having written more comics. I'm like, ah, oh, frig. Yeah, you have to think about these things. I remember having a very distinct. I, I had a. I went down to Stumptown Comics Fest a few years ago, and and Bendis did a a talk like a writing talk, right? And um, I remember. Uh, I guess he teaches a class at. Um, uh, one of the State. colleges in Portland. Yeah, I think it's Portland State. Um, and 
he a bunch of his students were in this thing that I was talking about because he was talking about scripting specifically and then you know taking it you know um paying attention to page turns and how they work and you know how you want to do reveals and I I remember asking him specifically well how do you deal with advertisements and him and all of his students just busted out laughing because he's like he's like that is that is the fucking it, the most angering thing for a comic art writer to deal with is trying to figure out where the fuck they're going to put ads in your comic book and having specific things where you have to you basically have no control whatsoever like now Jeff Smith, luckily, he was self-published it all, so he didn't have to worry about it. But when you're working for somebody like um, Marvel, like he said that you had to, you had to specifically put spots where you're like, this page turn is Im- important, and you need to make sure that it's, you know, this is a left-hand page, and it page turns into a right-hand page, or, uh, or it's a right-hand page, yep. and it page turns into a left-hand page because there is a reveal here that you can't fuck up with an ad. And he said even when he put that in his script, sometimes they fucked it up. Uh, yeah. Um, but I'm surprised they don't know the, like the count. Like you know, this book is going to have X number of pages that are ads. Well, they do, but they don't know where they're going to be placed. Is the problem? Like that's there's the people who the people who place the ads into the book are not the same people that are editing the um, like doing the editing of the actual script in the pages. So yeah. there, you know, you can he he was talking about how there there are times with those page turns where he literally had to specifically write in a two-page splash to force a reveal because he wanted to write it as a one-page but couldn't be guaranteed that it would Uh, end up proper in the book. So he specifically had to write a two-page splash so that they had to put it as a reveal, right? I've noticed that quite a bit too. um, Yeah, but you're right. His Just Miss Page Turns are phenomenal and like, it really is that design thing where mm-hmm. it's like 99 percent invisible until you start paying attention and you're like oh yeah look at all of god i love the fact that i read a bunch of independent stuff because uh-huh. you don't have nearly as many problems yeah. that sort of thing yeah i um i was fascinated by the way that this book like some of the some of the things the i think the first major chunk of violence that shows up in the book is when they cut off king doc's arm and I think that was the first time you really see any blood. You know, most of the time it's like cartoony, like bumps on the head and stuff like that. So and then, I've only ever read it in black and white. That's interesting. Yeah. Because I bet that changes changes, yeah, changes some of the violence anyway. Yeah. Mm. It might, yeah. Um, but even even so, that's still a, a moment where you're like, they just cut off somebody's yeah, arm. Yeah, no, that right? was a and yeah, the, the real stakes moment. get raised, and yep. they continue to get raised all the way through the end. And I think one of the mm-hmm. um, there's there's one moment early in the book, and I posted this to my Twitter feed and to Facebook. Oh, um, yeah. One of the so at the beginning of this book, it is very cartoony and it's kind of cool, but it, um, the cartooniness gets you super invested in the characters, right? Because when Thorn first shows up, she's like the nicest person on the planet. She's like a fucking forest fairy, like, yay, I'm bathing in the in the river and Bones falling in love with me and la 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 la. You know, I'm and, just kind of here. I do stuff. I have a good time. I go to the fair. Uh-huh. And and you get super invested in these characters and there's um and then as things start to turn and Grandma Ben starts revealing I love Grandma the ben history. So much. Grandma Ben's fantastic. As she starts like revealing little bits of 
what she has kept from Thorn, uh-huh. right? Um, and then there's a scene, and it's uh, it's a page turn where um, Thorn and Grandma Ben are talking in their um, like in the she, Grandma Ben's fixing one of the fences around her farm, mm-hmm. and um, Thorn mentions out loud about her being a princess mm-hmm. and about her being, you know, the, this old thing, this old, the princess of this old kingdom that no longer exists. And grandma bent the last panel on the, on the page. And this is, you reminded me of this because of the page turn thing. The yeah, last panel is- on the page, she says, you keep quiet. There's ears everywhere. And then you flip the page and the page that the next page is two of the, the two rat creatures, the d- dumb rat creatures, and it's four panels and there's no words and the first panel is just the two rat, rat creatures looking through the, the trees. And then one of them, the second panel, one of them points and the other one runs. And then the other one turns back to the, the scene. And then the last panel is through the trees watching Grandma Ben and them. And that is one of the most, oh, fuck moments uh-huh. in a comic book I've ever read. And that is, I think that is really, was the, 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 pinpoint moment of the tone shift for me mm-hmm. where yeah there's some fun funny things going on and the, and they were they're revealing this history that that you don't really know what's happened because grandma ben hasn't really told much of it but then in there's just something about something horrendously sinister about that page where that's where the tone shift of those two rat creatures happened for me too where they went from comic foils to uh, servants of the greater evil and it was literally like chills down my spine like oh shit kind of moment and that was fascinating to me for a book that was that starts out as cartoony as this yeah. one does right yeah and and when I when I first read this book um, I've always dismissed it because there were cartoon characters and I always thought it was Sunday Camics comics the kids yeah exactly <laughs> I thought it was like oh it's the Phantom or Family Circus or whatnot, and just like your your local comic book store, Andy had suggested it's like, oh, you need to read this. And everything he'd given to me before, he he'd not been wrong about. So I was like, okay, fine, I'll I'll sit down and I'll go through Bone. There's got to be something through it. And I thought it was going to be a, pretty much like a Disney serial where yeah. <laughs> where everything was like, hey, here's Mickey Mouse and Goofy, and they're having hijinks, and then that's the end of the story, and then so on and so forth. But you know, six seven hundred plus pages of it. And then once I started reading it and seeing, okay, this is a world, and he's building this world, and then they start developing all the relationship between each other, and then they start off in the small forest, and then they go to the inn, and eventually go to the the city, and you start building this whole world building. It's like, oh god, this is really fucking deep and amazing. Yeah, you know, and it's not just hijinks and and whatnot. And there is the cow race, which is kind of funny, and there is some you know right. comic bet about relief. the Barrelhaven bar and. and- and there's stuff thrown in for comic relief and whatnot, but the Bartleby steaks and sandwiches. Yeah, this it starts off all nice and safe, blank like sandwiches, like <laughs> before, I love blank sandwiches. before like a general war and everything's idyllic and peaceful. And then all you, all of a sudden, you realize, okay, everything's going to shit, and there's this yeah. evil m- menace that's coming. Layers Briar. of evil. <laughs> yeah, Briar. yeah, and and Rose and, and Briar, which is it's kind of funny. Yeah. Um, 
and just how everything, all the stakes just keep on, the stakes keep getting raised mm -hmm. and getting raised and you get more and more invested into it to the point where you just start flipping pages left and just yeah. flying through yep. them. I'm not, I'm not kidding. I, I had set out a schedule for myself to read this because I was already a little bit behind and I was like, oh, I can read, I can read like half, the, the, the story is split into, I think, six parts that are each between six like and nine. eight it's issues. Nine. Is it nine parts? Okay, so yeah, nine parts that are six to eight issues each. And I was like, I can read half half, half of a storyline. So like four issues at a pop, and then I can get done. And I got behind again. And it was funny because like I got to a point, and I was about a little bit past the halfway point in the book where I'm reading, and it was interesting, but because of the fact that I had put myself behind, I was it felt a little grindy to me, right? And then it didn't. Mm -hmm. And then it was like literally I was – was, uh, Is it Rookjaw? Rockjaw. Rockjaw. Rockjaw, yeah. Uh, Rockjaw. I was, um, I started reading and I was felt a little grindy and then all of a sudden I had finished the book. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was like, it was just, yeah. um, I do think, the, the one criticism I think I have of this entire book, and it's a minor one, is that the, the final storyline when they go to Athea is, it's a little messy. Um, it, it's kind of, um, it I don't know. There's something about it that it just feels it 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 feels a little convol over unnecessarily convoluted at points. I would say the stuff inside the city feels that way. Right. That's what I mean by that. Um, once yeah, the stuff inside the city is a little messy, and once they get out outside of that, it, it's. Oh, I love um, like the like all the weird other creatures that are there, yeah, and yeah. sort of the in jokes with like the ridiculous hat that Bones it, Bone ends yeah. up wearing that he stole from a gnome who has a conical head. Yeah, and. I that was definitely a when they show that they're tr they're coming into the city and they make the comment about oh I don't think we have to worry about standing out and they show this wide shot of the market square or it was right outside the gate and yeah. there's like all these different kinds of creatures and that was a very Star Wars moment for me totally. where it was like yeah. it was like the you know the the Mos Eisley Cantina kind of scene um but I, I don't know the the characters in this are so like it's unique. Yeah, I yeah. Red Dragon, man. Like that he's so iconic. Mm -hmm. Like I want to paint him on a jacket. <laughs> <laughs> Has to be a denim jacket, right? Yeah. There you go. Actually, I when I was an impressionable teenager, I was seriously considering painting the one panel in black and white where it's like uh bone when he first meets Red Dragon lighting a cigar and there's just like it's a it's a brilliant panel. I would oh, find it. Oh, I know exactly you. what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Um I don't think I can say enough good things about this book. And I and I know that I'm late to the party on this one because a lot of people, you know, there's a ton of people who um who all, you know, that clearly it's it's one of the iconic comic books of all time, yeah. right? And um Jeff Smith is this is this was his, you know, magnum opus and it's the way the story progresses, like uh, there's never a point in this book, with, which happens with a lot of fantasy, where 
where it feels like he just threw something in and yeah. it doesn't make sense. Everything no. fits. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. everything fits. Everything makes sense. Like I think the only thing, the only thing in the story that kind of felt a little odd to me was when the, when they started, the ghost circle started showing up. Those, I remember on um, my first read through, those felt weird. Yeah. Reading through it again, they didn't feel as weird, but it was yeah. definitely a tone shift again. Yeah. It was a tone shift and it felt a little, uh, if you go through this, you're done. What? What? How, how did when was I supposed There's to know this? There's <laughs> something amazing and brutal though about the scene with the rat creatures, they're and they're like, "Look, him. you got to get across this field. We don't care how many of you die. Someone yeah. will find a correct path. Go." Yeah, it was the Russian army in World War Two. Totally, <laughs> it really was. Um, I uh, I had not. I've owned the. It's funny. I've owned this. the The volume that I got, the um, the color one, came out in 2011, and I've owned it basically ever since. I bought it in 2011 or 2012, and hadn't read it. Um, and I wish I I wish that this had been my second read through instead of my first, because like oh, I want to read. Yeah, this is my first read through. Oh, wow. Like I said, I only made it through about eight issues of the of the black, black and white one. edition before I bought the color one, and uh, this is my first full read through of this book, and I'm. It's there. There rarely are times where I'm like, God, I wish I'd read this before. Yeah. And this, mm-hmm. I really wish I had read this before. Yeah. Like, I th- honestly, sort of being on the complete opposite side of the spectrum because I picked up this as singles yeah. like, on, nice. the tail, on the tail end. Sure. Um, and it was great, but month to month, like it was a little bit rough. Bi-monthly, <laughs> actually, it or, came out every yeah, two months. I mean, it's, so you know, it's been. 20 years, something like that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the last issue came out, like I said, tw- 2004, so it's about... 10 years. Or 2005, so it's, yeah, nine years ago is when it ended. Yeah. But it started in 91, like yeah, I said. But, you know, it's one of those things where, like, it, I love Jeff Smith's stuff, and um, Razzle's a real good example of that for me. Mm-hmm. It kills me having to wait between issues. <laughs> I've actually been waiting. Like, I got the first trade, and then the second trade was a different size, the and drift. then I... The book itself is uh, a different size. Yeah, now uh, the whole thing's a different size. Yeah, it's, it's like a normal size now, and it's ad-free, and it's amazing. And I plan... And weird. Actually, I should pick up, because there's, what, two or three trades out now? I don't even know. I've been basically waiting for it to accrue, and then I'm going to buy it in a big chunk and read Jeff it in Smith, a big chunk. Jeff like, Smith is brilliant as, you know, like reading singles, but reading the trades is just so much better, because yep. it allows you to just to tear through them in this way that it, I... And Bone, in particular, do. is such an immersive story. Yeah. It's like you want to have that experience you where you're like... You sit down, and you're just like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this um, is going to be a thing where I probably am going to like buy that freaking hard. Co- How much does the hardcover retail for? It's not. It's not bad. One hundred and fifty. It's not bad. It's. It. I it's got it thir- for significantly cheaper than that. Thirteen hundred pages. Yeah. I paid after you we could kill a zombie with it. I got it for about it. half price. I think I paid seventy five bucks for it. Nice. And that's that's absolutely worth absolutely. it. Like, absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Um, I say as a person that doesn't like to spend lots on comics yeah. like ah you know what speaking about spending money on this comic by Barber. I have just volunteered to buy a second more expensive <laughs> edition in addition to the edition <laughs> that I've already bought so I would buy it mm-hmm. several Absolutely. times I own both of the one volume editions and I'd buy it again if I if I could I so instant buy yeah I would buy it just to lend it out yeah. Heck yes. That's yeah. what I'm going to do with my uh, one volume, my black and white one volume edition. I'm I doubt I'll loan my color one, but the black and white one is is my loaner copy now. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to probably hunt down the color copy and then send the uh, the black and white edition to my nephew. Yeah. Nice. So, I mean, it's 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 a no-brainer buy. It's not just a unanimous buy. This in my opinion is like one of those comics 
and I, I, I'm clearly not the first person to say this, but it's one of those comics that everybody who's into comics has to read this comic. Absolutely. Yeah, this is one of the classics. It, it's like, I mean, people's like, oh, you have to read Watchmen. You have to read, you know, they list off stuff. And you know what? You don't really have to read Watchmen. No, you it's don't. It's dated. Like, it's interesting from a historical perspective, but nowadays you're like, eh, whatever. But yeah, it does not, it does not hold up well. You have to look at Watchmen from that Watchmen is relevant in s- the superhero genre, but in terms of like sort of, yeah. comics and what they can do yeah. and how they function. It doesn't uh, matter. The thing that's really remarkable about this book for me, especially when we think of sort of like the postmodern superhero angst books, like... A lot. These characters go through a lot of shit. Yep. None of them end up completely broken. Right. Or like even Thorn, who you kind right. of expect to. Right. Right. I mean, like she goes through a lot and has a huge character development and arc and shift, but at the same time, They're none the of the characters, people. not even phony, like break basically in the way yeah. that we like to break batman nowadays or you know wh- mm. wh- whoever's in vogue to be dark and horrible it's it's kind of like the opposite of noir in that way and i kind of yeah. love it yeah it, it's sort of i'm um, of the opinion that this is a, an essential like if you have a collection of comics where you you know want to get other people to read stuff you need this in your collection yeah We will have fairly soon, uh, within probably the next week, uh, several episodes uh, up up to and possibly including episode 80 uh, scheduled out because um, we've got several suggestions for long reads for episode 80, including uh, Lucifer. Yeah. Um, Vampirella. Ugh. Uh, Stray uh-huh. Bullets was Stray Bullets was one of them doing uh, through issue forty one of Stray Bullets and Akira was another one. Um, yep. So we'll decide on what the long reads are going to be for episode eighty. But uh, for right now, we're going to do Lazarus and I Zombie and Zatanna Shades of the Past. Um, we it was when I was going in to buy Akira trades when I was sixteen that I totally got awkwardly hit on in front of my mom in a comic shop. There you go. There you go. That's gross. Uh, um, we did have a couple of, of user emails slash questions that uh, <laughs> listener, viewer, fan. whatever. The fan. term is fan. Consumer. Uh, <laughs> that we didn't get to because this is our long read episodes tend to be longer episodes anyway. And, and we'll get to those uh, questions later. I know uh, one of our scanner 51 sent us, uh, sent us a thing basically just venting about um about the inability to do in-app purchases in Comixology on an iDevice now, and he was just like, Here, solution to this problem, put iDevice on table, hit it with hammer, buy an Android device. <laughs> it's like, no, that's okay. Um, but yeah, we're, we've got the next three episodes planned out. Uh, this has been episode uh, 70 of the Trade Secrets Podcast. If you want to be a part of the show, like the questions that we didn't actually get to this episode. You can email us at tradesecretsgeekerific.com. You can hit us up on our Facebook group. Please join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash tradesecretspodcast. We we have plenty of discussions there. We post stuff uh, for people to look at and talk about. Pictures, I found I got introduced to a fantastic killing joke cosplay that I posted up there that is just awesome. It's pretty rad. Um, you can also hit us up on Twitter at Trade Secrets Pod. Uh, that we that particular account 
it's kind of off and on as to whether we post on it or not, but we do respond to people. If you post at trade secrets pod, we are all individually on Twitter as well. And you are, I am at Nbean tweets, Joel, uh, Superfly, Andy, math catastrophe. And I am at geek elite. Uh, please hit us up on Twitter. We love hearing from fans. Uh, send us emails. Send us uh, comments. Tell us you love us, you hate us. in the box. Whatever you want to send us. Uh, nope. This, uh, As I said, this has been episode 70, our long read of Bone. Go buy it, like right now. Or Thank find you. a happy friend who will lend it to you. There. Yeah. Read it. Find a way to read Just Bone. Just get your local it is. Yes, yeah. Stephen. Hit yeah, somebody you're read bone. over the head with it and steal it from them. There you go. Yeah. So, yeah, bonus fantastic. Read it. This has been episode 70. Thank you all for listening. Uh, we'll see you next time for Lazarus. And we are out.